tune into this brand new episode in which we will demystify the purpose behind brand authenticity and what does it take to build an authentic brand, how imposter syndrome manifests in our lives, strategies to help overcome it, and how to climb the ladder efficiently, the career ladder, the event industry ladder, and how to do it in a way that is efficient and smart. Welcome to Events Demystified Podcast, where we explore and demystify the world of in-person, virtual, hybrid event AV production and technology by sharing insightful tips, tricks and tactics to make your events a success. This podcast is brought to you by Tree Fan Events, a woman-owned boutique event production agency. And your host is Anka Trifan, a technical event planner and producer with almost two decades of hands-on technical experience in event production. With me on the show for all of this amazing topics of discussion, I have Courtney Stanley, an award-winning change maker recognized globally, a keynote speaker and event MC, and the creator of the Women Inspire podcast, There to Interrupt. Courtney serves on the Event Industry Sexual Harassment Task Force. The MPI's Women's Advisory Board is a meetings mean business ambassador and is the co-founder of the award-winning movement meetings too. More of her bio and all her qualifications and amazing accomplishments thus far will be available in the episode notes. One thing is for sure, Courtney Stanley is a force to be reckoned with. The tidbits of wisdom that she shares on her LinkedIn page and all over her social channels always have this power to lift me up and give me renewed hope and optimism. And I am such a fangirl. So without further ado, let's welcome Courtney in. Hello, hello. Welcome. <laughs> Hi, Anka, my dear friend. You have me blushing over here with your fangirl intro. And I actually was thinking about how I think I accidentally made my intro a tongue twister. And it's really hard to get through, especially meetings mean business. I always screw that up. So thank you for just completely crushing it and welcoming me to the stage. Thank you. Should I said like hashtag fangirl? I need to put that there just in case somebody's wondering. But it's such a pleasure to have you here. It's so good to have this conversation with you. Thank you for taking time of your busy day to join me. Of course. I loved that we had a chance to sit down in person at IMAX a few months ago. That was just such a beautiful gift and a great way to end the year. And it's great to be reconnecting with you here. I'm so excited for our chat today. Me too. Well, Courtney, you're a woman of many skills and, if I may say, quite articulate during all the keynote speaking engagements and presentations that I have seen you. And I can tell that you're passionate about many things. What is something that just lights your soul on fire when you start talking about So I love this question and I feel like I'm going to answer it a little bit differently than you might expect. So I was giving this some thought, and I think that the things that light my soul on fire the most are not necessarily things that I talk about, but they're opportunities to listen to other people. So like you said in my introduction, I am the creator and host of Dare to Interrupt, which is 
essentially a podcast that I created with Meetings Today. And it's an opportunity and a platform for women in events to share their stories and share their perspective uninterrupted. So it's those types of projects and really vulnerable, raw, meaningful conversations that I'm able to have with people that probably light my soul on fire more than anything I could ever personally talk about. I truly think that it's it's a privilege, it's an honor, and I think it's a really incredible moment when we're actually able to truly connect with people on a deeper level and learn more about their story and what makes them them. So I would say that's actually what lights my soul on fire the most. I love it. You know, because I feel like as human beings, we have so many facets. And like, for example, you know, in this podcast, I just show my professional side, right? But if you know me in my personal life, you know, there's so many other things that I could say that light my soul on fire. And sometimes you have to sort of contain it within whatever container you're in, because otherwise, if you're all over the place, like I could talk about a million things and people will be like, so confused. Like, (laughs) I don't know why I'm here for I completely get it. You'll be the kind of person that I could engage in a conversation with you where we could talk about the stars and the moon and books and everything in between and still have an engaged conversation, hopeful and optimistic and full of wisdom. So I am happy that you said that it's not necessarily just meetings and events. It's something more than just that, although I bet that's a huge part of who you are. However, you know, being able to be more than just that, I think it's important for every single one of us because we're not just a one track mind, you know, I mean, maybe some of us, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I completely agree with that, Anka. And actually, as you were talking about just you know, bringing our professional self to the table so frequently. And a lot of times people don't get to see that personal side. Actually, if I were to answer that in more of a personal way, I truly think the thing that gets me the most excited to talk about is my niece. I have a niece that is one year old and I am so obsessed with her. She is the little apple of my eye. And so truly, if there's anything that lights me up the most on the personal side, it's being an aunt to my baby niece. That's probably my favorite role to play. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, it's the best role because you're not, uh, you know, her mom. So you can get away with a lot of things and being her favorite person in the world, most likely, because as a mom, you know, speaking uh, about my two children, eight and five, you know, you also have to do discipline and you have to do the things that, you know, they don't necessarily appreciate, but in long term, you know, they will be grateful for. So. I'm like, okay, looking forward into the future for that day when that will come. So I'm excited because I have a lot of nieces, a lot of of my sisters that are not necessarily close to me. So I don't necessarily get to feel that role of an Mm -hmm. aunt, you know. So anyway, um, I love that you have that so close to you. So going now into some of our topics that I just mentioned earlier, I want to do a quick recap, maybe if, if it's possible. I mean, this would be so tough to put in just a quick sentence or paragraph by now you know it's not much of a mystery that so many of event professionals that we know we have interacted met or just in general have experienced 
some sort of a setback in their work and their career for the last two years since the pandemic started. And before we get to the tactical steps on how to climb the ladder in the event industry, would you mind doing a one, two, three, you know, on how to tangibly turn some of the setbacks into comebacks with confidence since the beginning of the year and want to give people some hope that that's still possible you two years into the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. The reason why I'm personally so passionate about educating and empowering people to really be able to turn those setbacks into comebacks is because I feel like throughout my short career, I think I've been in the real world for maybe like 11 years now or something. It's been one curveball after the next, professionally speaking. So my first job that I ever had, I was laid off. My second job that I ever had, I was fired. My third job that I ever had was an okay fit, but maybe just didn't light me up the way that I was necessarily looking to in terms of growth. So I launched my own business and went full-time right at the beginning of the pandemic. And of course, that was its own massive curveball. So I feel like going through those setbacks over and over and over again, and those are the big ones. Of course, there are smaller ones that we deal with on a more frequent basis, but that really gave me an opportunity to reflect. So that's the first step that I would say in terms of turning a setback into a comeback. It's really, really important to reflect on the experiences that you've gone through over the past six months, year, two years, three years, whatever that looks like, and be able to, first of all, acknowledge all of the adversity that you have worked through and overcome, but also start to look for those silver linings. So those opportunities where things went wrong, but there are steps that you can take to completely do a 180 and flip those really, you know, misfortunate or unfortunate opportunities into things where you can actually lean into more growth and walk forward. So the first step I would say is to really just have that time and to reflect on what the heck life has looked at, what's really hard and where you're at on the other side. The second step I would say is to reset. So first is reflect, second is reset. And that's really where you want to start moving forward. So we've looked backwards, we've acknowledged, we've reflected, but we need to make a plan to move forward. And so really creating a sharp focus on the goals that you actually want to accomplish in this next year. So it's great that we're talking about this at the beginning of a brand new year, because this is the perfect time to plan. There's a reason why people feel that change mindset at the beginning of of each new year because people are feeling refreshed and rejuvenated and they feel like there's actually that new page, that blank slate that they can really start to write their next chapter on. So starting by thinking big, So what are the really big things that I want to accomplish this year, especially looking at the setbacks I've had? How can I turn that around and then making it small? So dreaming big, but thinking small. So that's where you want to actually make sure that your goals are measurable. We're using the SMART acronym here, that they are specific, they're measurable, that they are timely, that they're relevant, that you actually have a plan 
month by month, week by week, even day by day to make progress. And then from there, you want to actually make sure that you're able to hold yourself accountable. So very much like you would have a check-in with a teammate once a week or once a month or a really big check-in for progress once a quarter, even a review. Give yourself an annual review. Take the time to actually look at what you're doing. Ask yourself, is it working? Have I made progress? What can I shift and start to move forward? But I would say my favorite part of really being able to turn a corner and start to transform adversity into opportunity and really make a brighter future for yourself is to manifest it. So to visualize it, one of my favorite exercises that I will have coaching clients do is to actually write down what your life looks like as if it were a year from now. And then two years, three years, all the way up through five years, what does your life actually look like? Start to write it as if it's already happened and read through it. Start to visualize it, manifest it, talk about it, and then walk that walk and start to chip away and do the work every single day. Those are, I would say, the one, two, three plus steps that I would give to just start to make progress and build some momentum for moving forward. I love it. I uh, do have to say, though, this uh, manifest uh, um, practice for me, you know, maybe it's a European thing. Maybe I don't know. It's just um, I've had a really hard time to get into because the way maybe coming from, again, a different culture, somewhat, you know, of an oppressive culture with so many things that go against you and pull you down at any turn, basically, to manifest something, it's almost like stepping out of your comfort zone in fear, because most likely what you're going to get is the opposite of that. So like mentally, what you prepare yourself is not for the best or not for like the best case scenario, but for the worst, because if the best happens, but you prepare for the worst, then at least you're not disappointed as opposed to if you was the opposite. So for the longest time in my life, I would be like, okay, what's the worst thing that can happen when I can prepare? for that if the opposite happens so much better it's almost like the cherry on top so it's kind of the opposite of the manifest movement process but it's something that I personally use like for such a long time of my life that it became such a habit to unroot that I don't know it's been like really hard because like I was like okay let me look at this the opposite way how can I look at it differently is this actually working in my favor or against me for sure. Yeah. And I think your perspective is important, Anka, because it's different from mine, you know, based on life experience and all of that context. I would say your question is important. So the prompt and asking yourself what's the worst that can happen matters because you should be able to prepare for that and have that back of mind, but also understand that if the worst happened, how can I get through that? So thinking through those plans strategically. But I love your point here because I think there's an opportunity to look at the other side of the coin and ask yourself, what is the best that could happen? Thinking of those different fears that you have. And I know we're going to talk about imposter syndrome a little bit. So this will tie into that. But everybody has fear. Everybody's afraid. Everybody is afraid to fail. So thinking about what's the worst that could happen? What if I completely horribly failed? These are all the things that I would go through. And how would I process that? But also, what is the absolute best outcome that could happen? And is it worth leaning into that fear and actually doing the work to try to get there? And what would my life look like if 
the best war to happen. So it's a really cool exercise because you can look at it both ways and you can also prepare for both. But I think that optimism is important because we don't want to operate and live in a place of fear every single day. We want to be able to believe that we do deserve good things. And if we work hard and if we are able to control some of that, then we can actually really achieve the things that we want and build the life that we really want. But again, context matters. And I mean, if we're looking at this from a global perspective, of course, different areas of the world are incredibly challenging compared Mm -hmm. to other areas of the world. So if we're talking about the American dream, you know, I mean, we have a lot of freedom here compared to other countries. That's very different than if we were looking at a different area of the world that maybe didn't offer as much opportunity. Absolutely. And I'm honestly grateful every single day of my life, you know, to live in a place, in a culture, in a system that allows for that. I mean, the reason why I left my home country, if we were to talk about that, you know, 20 years ago, with literally $100 in my pocket is because I was going for this American dream for Mm -hmm. the promise of being able to have a goal and being able to actually reach it for the promise of like dreaming of something and that potentially coming through working hard and given enough effort or hustle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's something to be said about all the obstacles that a lot of people face. And I know even here we face obstacles every single day and it might not be on the same scale as other people. But the important thing is to keep in mind is that whatever obstacles you are facing, they are not defining you. And it's more about how do you approach it? Like you said, you know, are we looking at it, you know, from a optimistic point of view? And honestly, I am a very optimistic, I would call it like optimistic realistic right <laughs> where I'm like I want to see you know every single silver lining that there is out there but I'm also very realistic in advance kind of looking at what could be some of the challenges that I need to overcome but that is something that approach how you see mindset how you see your life it does shape your potential legacy and if you unfortunately face enough obstacles I've seen that uh, play in real life your confidence gets chipped at little by little so I remember that you once said something along the lines, losing your confidence and sense of worth doesn't happen overnight. It happens over the course of your life. I've heard you share parts of your story as you were saying that you had to make the decision to rise from the ashes. And I know a lot of strong women out there that they have their own Phoenix story, (laughs) having to take back their power and rebuild their confidence and go after their dreams. With that in mind, in the hope of giving our audience some type of a um, system or process on how to overcome the imposter syndrome that you just mentioned that we're going to get into, do you have any strategies that our audience could use and take away from this? So to your first point around losing confidence and starting to question your value, the value that you bring to the table, the value you bring to a team, to a room, to a board, whatever that may be, I absolutely believe that it is not something that happens overnight. I think there are many, 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 many experiences, whether they're small or they're big experiences that cause us to question our worth or to cause us to have less confidence than we maybe originally had. And, you know, I've read books about this. I've listened to podcasts and conversations about the idea that young girls specifically, if you look at the classrooms, and again, I'll speak from my experience being American, but you will see that 
young girls typically lead in classrooms. They're typically the ones to achieve higher grades. They are more engaged in the classroom. They're more focused. And there are many reasons why that happens. But then as we get older and we get more into, you know, this young professional stage, we start to see women slipping backwards a little bit where men are really the people who are advancing more. They're getting bigger promotions. They're leaning in maybe more confidently. They're not struggling with things like imposter syndrome and lack of confidence as much as women typically do. And there are so many things that happen along the way that lead to outcomes like this. But I think in terms of how to actually reverse imposter syndrome, I believe that this is something that we work on our entire lives. You know, there are people who maybe don't struggle with imposter syndrome as much, but there are lots of people who do struggle with feeling like they're a fraud or that they're unqualified for opportunities that they actually are completely qualified for. And I think it is something that you work at constantly, just like the world is frequently, you know, having conversations and they're really creating dialogue that maybe makes you feel like you're not as good or makes you feel less valuable or decreases your confidence. There are also just as many opportunities to push back. So one exercise that I have encouraged, again, some clients that I've worked with in a coaching capacity is to really take note of your inner critic. So that internal dialogue that you have, that voice that's in your head that is either building you up or tearing you down, being more aware of the words that that voice is using and actually writing them down, keeping an inner critic journal and reading back to yourself the different comments that you're being told internally every single day and challenging those things. So if that voice is saying you don't belong here, you're not smart enough, nobody wants you here, whatever those things are that that voice is telling you, being able to look at it on a page and recognize A, how toxic it is, but B, how untrue it is, that's a really great first step to build more awareness around the dialogue that's happening, that's feeding into that imposter syndrome. And then, I mean, this is such a small thing, but it's so important, making sure that you're surrounding yourself with the right people matters. So if you're surrounded by people who are tearing you down or they're, you know, making little jabs here and there, they're passive aggressive with you, you work for a boss that really affects your confidence levels. Those are things that are going to take a huge toll, not only on imposter syndrome and your sense of self, but also on your mental health and how you actually feel not just mentally, emotionally, but also physically every single day. And then the third thing that I would say would probably be whatever you're afraid of, those moments where your inner critic is telling you you don't belong here or whatever those moments are, you're going to fail. Those are the things that you should be doing more of. So this is something that I've actually realized over the past year, I would say, the things that I'm most afraid to do when I do them make me feel the best. They make me feel the strongest and they make me feel the most unstoppable. So actually leaning into that fear is a really great opportunity for growth. And it also chips away at that feeling of being a fraud or an imposter. 
Before we move any further, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our main sponsor, Trifan Events, which is a boutique event planning and production agency that will come alongside you, offering personalized event planning and technical support, strategic event design, production and technology management, and flawless execution for live, virtual, and hybrid events. The team at Trifan Events is passionate about planning and producing event experiences that get people involved with true moments of interaction, engagement, and co-creation while offering white glove treatment throughout the entire planning process, enabling you to reach your event goals with the use of creativity, production tools, and event technology. Find out how Trifun Events can plan and produce your event become memorable. Go to trifunevents.com. I love that. I um, I had to do an inventory. I was thinking about this particular topic because I felt like maybe I wasn't as aware of it pre-COVID. I also, you know, I'm a pretty confident person. So one thing I realized is the way the imposter syndrome would show up in my life, which is quite perversive. And I had to learn to be aware of it, especially in the early showing up stages. Like it had power of me earlier when I was, you know, in my 20s. It would come with this question like, who do you think you are uh, mm. to teach somebody you know, whatever, how to do things differently or better. And I can see that for us women, you know, how, especially if you work in a heavy, say, male dominated field, which I identify with, it can be like the two sides of, you know, one coin where one side, you feel like you're not experienced enough, you're not old enough. And the opposite side could be, well, you may be, you know, you're not in touch with whatever is happening right now, you know, in the world. So you have to be aware of that liar in your head <laughs> mm-hmm. so that it doesn't take away your power. And I think you call it the voice of resistance that would go, you know, against whatever you think that you're worthy and whatever you think that dreams are, whatever you think that you could accomplish them. It's just, it's resisting everything because it operates out of fear. You don't want to get out of your comfort zone because what happened if you fail? <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And what you're talking about is so important, Anka. I think your example of being a little bit more of a veteran in the industry and having that experience, but then also still feeling like, well, I'm out of the loop. I'm not up to date on the latest things. That's something that I feel that we struggle with constantly where we're too much or we're not enough. And it's just this tug of war. It's this push and pull that we constantly deal with, whether it's physical appearance whether it is using our voice. So that's a really interesting example. But again, I think is very relatable for women. And this even gets back to why I created the podcast Dare to Interrupt Mm -hmm. in the first place. It's the idea that women are told that they're too quiet in a room and that they aren't speaking up enough. But at the same time, in a lot of situations, we're also told that we're too loud and we need to sit down. So there are always these controversies that are taking place And it's up to each person to navigate it to the best of our ability. And I really think showing up authentically and speaking up when you feel the need to speak up or that you know it's necessary to include your voice in a conversation to make sure that you're not overlooked, those are really important things. And also just knowing that you're never going to please everybody and you're never going to be the perfect person to everybody in a room. So how you see yourself, what you're proud of in terms of your work and the person that you are, those are the things that really matter. I would say going back to the first question that you asked me, what is something that lights your soul on fire? 
that sounds super positive, like what gets you really excited. But I would say something that makes me fired up in a way that is more frustrated, which I think is equally as important, is when women specifically or people in general don't see how great they are. I think it's something that everybody struggles with. And it's such a shame because I truly believe that every single person has a purpose and has a unique story and has strengths and has value and deserves to feel like they're heard, that they're seen and that they're valued. And so when I am, especially in in a coaching capacity, when I'm working with people who really have just such a difficult struggle with their sense of self-worth and their confidence, it is my number one goal to try to do anything in my power to help them to see themselves the way that they really should, that they could see themselves in such a positive way instead of the way that maybe is a little bit more negative. Yeah. One thing, one word that stood out to me as you were talking about is this idea of authenticity. Be the real you that you are, even though, you know, honestly, for the longest time, I personally struggle with that just because, again, I come from a different culture and I seeing myself different all the time. It was a little bit of fear tactic of my mind playing against my own self. This idea of authenticity is honestly uh, based on a lot of research that came out of all brands, products, and all the things out there is a critical deciding factor when it comes to a brand, to who you are and who you show up to be in the world. And I want to segue a little bit into that, you know, for millennials like ourselves and even, you know, for Generation X and baby boomers, it's just as important. And um, I want to find out from your experience one, how do you build a brand that's authentic to who you are in order to grow your business? But before we even do that, let's define what is brand authenticity the way you see it. I love that we're starting with that question because I think it's probably the most important. So the way that brand is defined is essentially the way that other people perceive you. So it's their impression of who you are. That's the definition of brand. But I believe that there are a couple different ways to break down brand and how we actually look at it. And one is brand perception, which is what we just talked about, how other people perceive you. But the second is brand identity. And that's how you see yourself. So that's true authenticity. That is you seeing yourself in the most honest, unfiltered way possible. And really... The goal is for us to align brand identity, which is how we see ourselves, and brand perception, which is how the world sees us so that we are actually perceived or seen in a way that is true to us and how we actually do see ourselves. So I think that's a really important first step. And when I'm working with audiences, when I'm working with clients on helping them to understand how to actually rebrand or shift their brand, the most important thing is to first understand how do people see you? You have to have that awareness of how people perceive you before you can really fully understand what needs to shift or what doesn't need to shift. And so one of the exercises that I'll have my audiences go through is I'll encourage them to reach out to three different people. One person is a family member or a close friend. The second person would be somebody that you've worked with directly in in a work environment. 
And the third person is somebody that you know professionally, like an industry peer that you have not worked with directly. And you go to these three people and they're all people that you trust. They're good people. They see you in a positive way and they're going to give you honest, constructive feedback. So you're not going to ask the haters how they see you. You're going to ask people who actually, you know, enjoy being around you, what, how they perceive you. So you go to these three different people and you ask them two questions. The first question would be, what are three different words that you would use to describe me in a positive way? So what are my top three strengths? The second question is, what is one way in which you see me holding myself back? So the first, and actually this is a really great imposter syndrome exercise too, is to help you understand how people see you in a positive light. But the second question is to really provide you with an opportunity to grow. So if you are doing things, if you're saying things, if you're behaving in a way that isn't productive to you and how you actually show up and engage and interact in a room, how can you improve that? Those are the really important things to hang on to so that you can understand where you can lean in and really become the brand that you want people to actually see you as, which is who you really are. I love that. And I remember actually doing a little bit of this exercise during IMAX when mm -hmm. you were leading uh, one of the sessions. And I was like, man, I have to go back to that to implement that because it was amazing. And I'm like, I didn't do my homework yet. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a round two when I have you on my podcast. And then there we'll you go. <laughs> and then you're going to be like grading me. Okay, I guess sure. <laughs> A plus for everyone. A plus. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you well you know it, it is something that I feel like everyone needs to be doing in any capacity personal or in a business situation because it's super helpful because sometimes we're not aware you know I tend to be a very aware person but also like give myself so much grace whereas if the opposite would happen with someone say like just taking my spouse as an example, I'm certainly giving myself way more grace than what I'm giving him for maybe the same thing. So we have to be aware of that and open to receive uh, the constructive criticism in order to grow because I feel like sometimes I would actually receive that better from a friend that doesn't know me as well than from someone that knows me really, really well because I'm thinking, okay, you're saying this because like it's personal, like this is a personal thing for you. Mm -hmm. But I have a question that I would love to ask you as far as anyone that is in a situation where they feel like they've been really struggling and they've been knocked down quite a bit you know, during this time of challenging pandemic times. What is one piece of advice that you could give an event professional seeking to better position themselves for success in the event industry, climb the proverbial ladder, advance in their career, especially, you know, as far as brand authenticity goes in this redefined world of events it's definitely changing as we speak mm -hmm. well I think I mean especially for people who have struggled over these past couple of years which is pretty much almost everyone in our industry I think cutting yourself some slack is really important I think even before we get into the climb the ladder and grow and you know shine a brighter light on your brand it's important that you feel healthy. So I think this is so important. And it's so sad, Anka. I was looking at some research yesterday around suicide statistics for adolescent girls. And I just led a panel on the effects of COVID on women specifically. And the effects on women's mental health has been so severe over the past couple of years, it, digging even more deeply into our industry, which has been 
more severely impacted than probably most, if not almost all other industries. There is such an opportunity right now for us to give ourselves what we need to feel our best. So that's something that I really had to focus on. You know, I mentioned I launched my business full-time, quit my job, had no steady paycheck coming in right at the beginning of the pandemic, which was, of course, yes, financially challenging. It was difficult because our industry was so broken and really everybody was so distraught and felt unfocused and directionless in terms of which way to go next. And those were all difficult things. But I think the greatest battle that I had to make sure that I focused on was how I was feeling and making sure that I was doing things that actually really filled me up, gave me energy, helped me to feel joyful on a daily basis, every single day being intentional with that. And so I would say for just addressing the people that have gone through a hard time, give yourself some grace and make sure that you're investing in yourself first before you're focusing so much on investing on growing your career and hustling and doing all those other things. But if we are to get into that, you know, climbing the ladder and those kinds of things, I would say the best advice that I can give people is to raise your hand to volunteer. I think that is probably one of the most important things. And I'm talking about more industry volunteerism. So getting involved in an association, your local chapter, volunteering to serve on a board of directors, a global advisory board, whatever that is, that will advance you so much faster than if you were to try to just do everything by yourself without that support network. That helps you build your leadership skills. It gives you credibility and it builds a network, which is so important in our industry. Relationships are literally everything. And I've always known the importance of building relationships in our particular community, but it was during these past couple of years when things were really difficult that I realized how valuable the relationships we have truly, truly are from a support system angle, but also from the standpoint of building business in a time that's really difficult. And then I would also say that it's really important to create your own public relations strategy. I asked, I took a stage the other day, a week ago or so. And I asked the audience, you know, how many of you have your own publicist? And of course, everybody says, no, I don't have a publicist either because I am my own publicist. And I I truly believe that outside of volunteering and networking and getting in those groups that help me to really build a community, what's also really elevated my presence in the industry and has essentially been the foundation for my business was creating my own strategy to shine a light on my brand. So once you start to really figure out, you know, what you want to do, who you're serving, how you're serving them, it's so important to be heard and be seen. You know, if you don't show up, no one's going to know you exist. So you have to be really intentional about the places that you're showing up. So getting on podcasts like this, partnering with really awesome people in the industry, writing articles for industry publications, offering to lead a workshop or participate on a panel or even take the stage as a primary speaker. Those are all really great ways to create brand exposure and get your brand in front of more people. And of course, that only does really great things, but it's also important that you are finding opportunities to be amplified. So that's really what the magic in public relations is. It's leveraging other people's audiences to get more eyeballs on the work that you're doing and who you actually are. So it's not just about, you know, starting your own projects, which 
is great. And I highly encourage that you do that, but it's creating strategic opportunities and partnerships with people who can help shine an even brighter light on the work that you're doing. I love that. This is such a amazing, insightful information, wisdom, tips, tricks, whatever, how you want to define it. And I am super grateful that you got to share this with our audience because you are basically the walking example of the strategy. You had to walk it yourself. And that's what I appreciate. You know, I get to talk with a lot of amazing featured guests. And what speaks the most to me is someone that has walked the talk. <laughs> you know, they've done the steps and you know that if they are where they are, it's because they didn't just talk it, they also walked it. And I see you as that person that has done it. And I can tell, you know, from everything that you've gone through that it was a courageous and a brave walk to take. <laughs> but here we are, right? <laughs> there you go. I would... I would love to have you share your audience any ways in which they connect with you, learn more about your story and some of those tidbits of wisdom that I mentioned earlier. Here's a fully off the script question. How do you come up with those wisdom tidbits? Like for myself, sometimes I have to be in the shower to come up with something creative. Like how do you come up with all this like fresh content? So... I feel like actually a lot of my aha moments that I have are when I'm running. And I've never been a fan of running. I wouldn't even mm -hmm. say I'm, I'm a fan yet of running, but I do it because it sucks. Uh, and I think <laughs> we should we should do things that we don't like because they push us to grow. That is the truth. I run because I don't like it. But I also find that it, it just clears my head more than mm -hmm. a lot of other things do. And actually, what's really interesting, I haven't talked to anybody about this before, but my inner critic comes out the most when I run. It's because I'm not a great runner. So it's like, yeah. you're too slow. People are staring at you. Oh my God. You know, it's whatever. what I call run walk. Cause I do that. Like <laughs> run walk. Right. But it's, it's just so interesting. It's like a, it's like a sick exercise that I'll put myself through because it does create such an opportunity for me to be like, Whoa, this, like this inner critic is on blast right now. I need to. Yeah. You need to speak into it. Yes. So, and so, I'm so like, you're the speaker no. and the audience. Yes, I feel great. I look great. Who cares what people think? Like, it's such a great opportunity to actually work on that. So yeah, my I would say my most creative ideas and the aha moments that I have are typically when I'm doing something like that, where I'm starting to really dig deep into myself and my head and my thought processes and those types of things. Also will say that I think exposing myself to content is a really great way to brainstorm. So reading books, listening to podcasts, diving into data and research and learning from other people also helps me to add a little bit more flavor to maybe some of the experiences that I've gone through or to realize that, wow, this is something we should be talking about more. So those are really great opportunities to create content too, is really learning from other people. And where can our audience connect with you, Courtney? Yes, thank you for reminding me of that. So people can connect with me on pretty much any social media channel. You can find me at Courtney on stage. I'm crazy active on LinkedIn. It's my absolute favorite platform, but you can find me on other platforms as well. You can also go to my website, Courtney-Stanley.com, which is where you can learn more about my speaking, emceeing, and coaching services. 
And I think that's pretty much it other than my podcast. If you want to tune in to Dare to Interrupt on any major podcast platform, I encourage you to tune into some really meaningful conversations with absolutely phenomenal women. I totally encourage people to do that because I was just listening to one of the latest episodes. And, and I do listen at 1.5 because <laughs> I'm always doing uh, some at the gym, that's especially brilliant. It's fantastic. But I... Uh, I loved your latest podcast, just talking. I think it was something that had to do with resilience and just like stepping outside of your comfort zone. It's something that would totally characterize, you know, your topic, even like as we were talking about that, as we touch a little bit on it. But it was such a pleasure to have this conversation with you, Connie. And I'm looking forward to staying in touch. In the meantime, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your mighty day, whatever, which day today <laughs> is. Don't ask me. But I know it's somewhere in the middle of the week. So <laughs> we're good. <laughs> Yes, I think that is exactly how I refer to the day of the week as well. So yeah, Anka, thank you so much for having me on. Again, it was such a pleasure to get to know you a little bit better in person. And I can't wait to see what you accomplish in these next months and in these next years to come as well. Thank you, Courtney. Okay, friends, this is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, for your loyalty to this podcast, wherever you're tuning in from. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Events Demystified podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to review it, rate it, and share it with other event professionals that could benefit from it. Connect with us on social at Events Demystified Podcast. We would love to hear from you and what you're up to. If you'd like to learn more about Tree Fan Event Services and find out if we're a good fit in supporting your event, can we help your event be successful with a 20-minute free consultation? Link in the episode's notes. Thanks for tuning in.